Hello, hello. How are you doing today, Dr. Alter? I'm just fine. How are you? Very good. All right. So we're going to get started. My name is Dylan Moore. And I'm Miss Onalika. And And today today we are joined by Dr. Torin Alter. And Dr. Alter, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, Hi. Thanks for having me on. Um, Well, let's see. Uh, I'm from New York originally. I'm Jewish. I'm a twin. I have a twin brother and uh, my children, twins myself. Um, I'm kind of into hobbies. I'm a avid table tennis player. I uh, advise the, uh, the club here at the university. Um, I have some other hobbies as well. I guess that's, I guess that's me. Thank you so much, Dr. Alter, for joining us. And I just want to ask you, uh, could you tell us a little bit more about your academic life and possibly what your research is about? Oh, sure. I guess I looked that out. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a philosophy professor at, at the University of Alabama, and this has been um, really my, I've been here really my whole career since I uh, got my PhD from UCLA in 1995. Um, and uh, uh, most, I've written on various things, but most of my work uh is on uh, the mind-body problem. What's the relationship between the mental and the physical? Um, and in particular, uh, on consciousness. I've written on other things, but that's most of my writings about that. Okay, great. And what really interested you in this topic? Um, well, from my perspective, consciousness and its relation to the physical world is really the big question, big unsolved question or uh, big mystery. There are lots of grand mysteries in science. You know, it's dark matter. How do we unify quantum mechanics and general relativity? Lots of other really interesting problems. Lots of, you know, we're very, very far from knowing everything about the world. But in a broad sense, all those other problems um, in a way, they're less; they're more problems than mysteries. Uh, we understand roughly what the theories, the answers will will look like. Uh, we specify a function: how particles move, or how planets move, how they behave um, in such and such circumstances. Then we try to explain that behavior, explain how those functions are performed by specifying mechanisms and then testing them. Now that's uh, that. That doesn't mean that it's easy or anything like that. But but we have the sort of shape of the theories more or less in hand, or at least that's commonly thought. But I think consciousness, in particular, that aspect of the mind-body problem, um, or aspect of the mind, is 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 a little different. It's consciousness is not a matter of functions. It's a matter of how things feel to us. How does conscious feeling arise out of unfeeling matter? That's a kind of mystery. It's been around really since philosophy has been around, around, been around, but we really don't understand it yet. So that's what's interesting about consciousness to me. Uh, that's really, really cool, Dr. Alter. And I have to ask, how did you originally get into this research? Like, where did you start? Or like, what, was, what kind of sparked your uh, interest in this topic? Well, I mean... Uh, in philosophy in general, I just, I just you know, uh, got interested in um, 
philosophy in, in college, I never even heard the word before. And I, I, I sort of, once I took my first course, I was kind of hooked. And, um, uh, I, you know, my, my teachers always encouraged me to push my ideas further. Um, but here in this particular uh, problem, I, I guess, um, I guess I got, I got interested in it in my sort of towards the end of my uh, graduate career, I was working on related things, but not exactly on, on this. And, um, and uh, someone eventually became a friend and actually recently a co-author, Dirk Perboom, who's uh, the chair in the Boston department at Cornell and has been for many years. Um, he visited there and, and he showed me a paper he, he had written on the subject. And well, just as he was leaving and we, we ended up uh, having a long email correspondence about his paper. I disagreed with what he was saying in it. This is 1994 or 1993. And um, that I, I, I thought this is a lot more interesting than what I've been writing about in my dissertation. So I, um, I changed my dissertation subject to, to this about consciousness in the physical world. And uh, I ended up um, writing on that. And uh, I've really never looked back. Awesome. So how do you go about researching topics such as consciousness? Well, I mean, I, I, I guess the, the method is, is pretty much common sense. I, I start uh, with what we already know. You know, I try, I read, read about what philosophers have said about it and what non-philosophers have said about it, what anyone has, has said about it. Um, sort of see what, what people think they know or anyway, the, the kind of, I look at the logical geography, what are the options that have been, um, that have been uh, given, um, what's the evidence for pursuing one line rather than another. And I, I see what questions haven't been answered, and I try to go from there. Oh, that's that's incredible. Um, so I recently read that you have been doing some research into the structure and dynamics argument. Could you just go on a little bit about that? Well, sure. Um, so this the topic here relates a lot to what I was saying before about how consciousness is kind of a big mystery in a way it's different from other mysteries, or so it seems to me. Um, so the structure and dynamic argument, structure and dynamics argument, is kind of a way to ar articulate that. And here's the sort of idea: look at any science, in particular, look at say fundamental physics. What we get from fundamental physics um, is a kind of a detailed uh, description of spatiotemporal structure and dynamics changes within that structure. For example, if you if you ask a, a physicist, well, what is a what are the basic properties you're talking about, and they'll say things like mass, charge, spin, things like that, and you say, well, what are those? And the explanation is something like this, well, a particle with, uh, with negative spin or, or a mass of such and such sort will behave in a certain way when it interacts with other particles in the vicinity with the, these other properties. So you get this big picture um, about how particles um, attract or repel each other, that sort of thing about what things do, about how I put it earlier, how functions are performed. But that sort of explanation, although it's extremely enlightening regarding the physical world, it's always going to leave this nagging question. Why does that ever feel like anything? Why so somehow all that adds up to brains and brain processes, then ultimately feeling consciousness. But all that, it seems, could go on in the dark. Why? Why is their consciousness at all. So um, that's basically the structural dynamics argument. The idea is that, well, all we get from 
physics is structure and dynamics. Consciousness, is, that's not enough for consciousness. So there's got to be something more. And um, that's sort of an outline of the argument. And my small contribution is to try to get a little bit more precise about it. And we want to know, well, if, if that argument is, is that argument really any good? Or is that just sort of hand wavy you know, nonsense? Um, and so we need to state it more precisely. What exactly are the premises? Why should we believe them? What exactly is this idea of structure? Um, and that's where my work comes in. I try to get more precise about this. And I'm just, um, and I'm sort of a details guy. I'm trying to get the details right. And I'm just trying to move the, that argument along a little bit in that way. Definitely. So I saw you writ, uh, or you helped write and have written uh, a couple books on consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering how you would quickly describe consciousness to a complete stranger you met on the street. Oh, describe consciousness or describe the books? Uh, consciousness. Oh, well, one problem about it is, is that it's, it's, there's a way in, 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 in which, um, uh, you know, there's that old uh, saying by um, Louis Armstrong if, about, you know, what is jazz? You know, sort of, if you, if you don't understand already, you ain't never going to know. It's, it's something like that. Um, it's it's the most basic thing. It's how something feels. So one way to understand it, I some and I say this to the stranger on on the street, but I also say it uh, in, my, in my published writings. Is a wonderful example, my favorite example in philosophy by Frank Jackson, uh, an um, Australian philosopher, and it goes like this: Suppose there's, the, there's this time in the future when we've discovered, we've completed physics, we've solved all the problems in physics and in chemistry and um, neurophysiology, and it's far in the future. And there's this brilliant scientist, Mary, but she's never seen any colors. She's only lived her whole life in the black and white world. Uh, and she's in this room, which is all, you know, I, I don't know, great. I don't know quite how, how you pull this off. You'd have to have her wear gloves and things. I'll never look in the mirror. But, um, but anyway, that happens. She only sees in, in black and white. And then uh, she's, she's given the uh, the book of complete completed physics. She's given lectures on a black and white computer monitor or something like that. And she fully understands. She knows everything about the physical world that you could know. Then she leaves the room and she sees a red rose or a red tomato or you know, the blue sky. And she's, if, if all there were to consciousness were just the physical, uh, then it looks like she shouldn't really learn anything then. She should already know that stuff. But it looks like she does learn something. She learns what it's like to see in color. She learns what it's like to see a red rose. So consciousness in the sense that's relevant to me is, well, what is that aspect? What is that, 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 uh, that she learns, that, that stuff about what it's like to see uh, in color, that what it's like business? What is that? How should we understand that scientifically or at all? That's what, I, what for me... Uh, con the, the most interesting aspect of consciousness is now of course the word consciousness is used for all kinds of things sometimes it's used for just being awake you know I'm, I'm conscious now as opposed to I'm, I'm not conscious or uh, you know I'm, I'm asleep or, or, or dreamless sleep or something like that and there are other, other you know I'm conscious of someone I'm, I'm aware of their, um, their presence or of some things presence um, I'm self-conscious, uh, you know, I'm feeling a little bit uh, like someone's looking at me or something like that. So the word is used in different ways, but for me, the, philosophically, what interests me about it 
is the kind of thing that the Mary and the black and white room thought experiment uh, illustrates this idea that there that there's some what it's like aspect to um, to uh, uh, consciously experiencing the world. And I want to know what that is, in particular, how it relates to the rest of nature. That's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, So speaking about your past research and future research, what are some questions, whether they're specific or general, do you still have that you want to explore in the field that you're researching? Gosh, I've got almost nothing but questions. Um, uh, so most of my own work has been negative or, or sort of destructive in the sense that I'm trying to argue that the, um, that the sort of slate of theories that were, were given the standard theories don't quite solve this problem that I've been talking about. And so I've been trying to, to, to um, work out the argument for, for that mostly. But more recently, and, and towards the f- looking ahead in the future, what I ultimately want is a positive account. I want I, I want some some positive account um, of consciousness and its relation to uh, the, the rest of nature, the physical world in particular, uh, which is plausible and you know hopefully even testable uh, and true. And so my the questions I I want to pursue in the, in, in the future are how to you know what is that theory and and, and how do you work it out. And I'm, I've started to take some steps in that direction, but they're just sort of the first baby steps. Okay, amazing. So how has the University of Alabama um, specifically supported your research or other academic endeavors? Oh, uh, in many ways. I mean, first of all, I'm just super lucky to have have this job. Uh, Philosophy jobs are hard to get, and I I get to think about philosophy for a living. I mean, what could be better than that? Uh, So UA, you know, supports me. and, and allowing me to do that. Um, and also, uh, for example, I've, I've uh, won a bunch of internal um, Alabama, University of Alabama grants, research uh, grants, which have allowed me to, for example, travel to conferences uh, where I can talk to other people. It's led to various research projects. It's, it's sort of let me um, not uh, uh, sort of a, uh, avoid doing extra teaching to make ends meet um so that those grants have been very helpful and, and of course i've got I've, i regularly inter- interact with brilliant students and and colleagues which um uh the university if it were not for the university that that just wouldn't wouldn't be happening so uh in in, in many many different ways I've, I've gotten support from the university thank you um so we, uh, you've definitely published a couple of books. So speaking about that, uh, how can listeners find, uh, I'll find out more about your research. Oh, uh, it's, it's pretty easy. If, if the listeners are, have access to, uh, the, the Alabama university of Alabama libraries, I think just about everything nowadays has been digitized and is available for free on online there. Um, uh, some things, uh, I've written, for example, uh, I mentioned earlier that I was I was interested in sort of positive theories. Well, the the, the one I've been pursuing is known as Russellian monism, and I and uh, Dirk Perboon, the, the the person I mentioned, who's the at Cornell, uh, who sort of got me into this game in the first place. Uh, he, he and I co-wrote the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy um, uh, article on Russellian monism. That's for free any, anywhere. 
Um, and uh, in terms of books, I've actually um, co-written with my good friend Robert Howell, who's now chair at SMU, um, uh, a couple of books, one of which is on this subject, and it's called A Dialogue on Consciousness. And it's meant to be accessible. Um, it's, it's and, and, you know, a bit fun. There are a lot of corny jokes in it. Um, it's a dialogue between uh, two fictional characters, which more or less take... Uh, his and my positions, they, they disagree about consciousness and the physical world. Um, one of them represents me, the other one represents him. Not exactly, but more, more or less. Uh, and that's, um, that's readily available. In fact, there are tons of used copies around because I use it in some classes, so you can get it. For, and it's not expensive to begin with, so you can, you can probably find a pirated copy online anyway. It's called The Dialogue, <laughs> Dialogue on Consciousness, and it's by uh, Robert Howell and me, Tornalter, um, uh, so that would be that would be one way, uh, and and also pretty much anything in philosophy you can find a, a listing for by going to Phil Papers. It's a wonderful resource which has pretty much everything now. Um, so that's another way. Awesome! Thank you so much for joining us today, Doctor Alter. Um, if you're listening, please go check out his work. It is super fascinating, and he's been really enlightening with us today, and just. Thank you again for hopping on with Thanks us. Thanks a lot. Enjoyed it. All right. Have a good one.